I don't know why I've never made this connection before because it's Halloween weekend. I thought we should talk about ghosts. Come on. Now I'm going to date myself a little bit. One of my favorite all-time comedies. Yeah, anybody else old like me in here? This came out in 1984. And whatever other remakes they've tried to make, yeah, nothing. I got nothing. The original, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. So I was thinking about this message. I thought, isn't it interesting that we have such a fascination with things that aren't real? Listen, to, it's interesting that we have such a fascination with things that aren't real when something, or dare I say someone, is not only real, but is within reach, and that is the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. We did a whole series on the Holy Spirit in 2018. You can go online, find that on our website, or either our YouTube channel, but I want to talk tonight about the Holy Ghost. I'm going to use the old school King James, Holy Ghost, or Verina Pentecostal that I grew up with, the Holy Ghost. And Verina, it's all, just, it's all one word, Holy Ghost. This runs all together. Let me, let me read to you these verses, because as I was studying for this, I found something curious in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus goes to be tempted by the devil. Let me, let me read verses 1 and 2 out of, out of Luke 4. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River, and he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. Now listen to 4.14. This is after, we're not going to read this entire account now for the sake of time, but let me jump down to 14. This is after he survives that temptation, overcomes the temptation. In 14, it says, Then Jesus returned to Galilee. Listen to what it says. Filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And reports about him spread quickly. This is a bookended moment in Scripture. He goes into the wilderness. He's full of the Holy Spirit. But then when he comes out, he's not just full of the person of the Holy Spirit, he's also full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Which begs the question, is the Bible trying to teach us something, and I think that it is, that there is a difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit as we are at salvation and operating in His power in our life and living. So let's talk a little bit about the Holy Ghost and where that name comes from. Now, you got to remember the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. So everything we have is a translation. Sometimes the translations get it better than others. The King James Bible was written in 1611. 1611. And if you've ever read the King James Bible, it's hard to track with because it is a version of English that we don't really speak anymore. And when they were making and writing the King James Bible, the Greek word for spirit is pneuma. It's pneuma. And they, they, they reached into their old English language and pulled out the word gast, G-A-S-T, which evolved into the word ghost. So the name Holy Ghost became popularized because of the King James Bible. Holy, based on the Greek word hagios, and it means to revere, it means to venerate, it means religious awe, and I like this one, it means incomparable majesty. Incomparable majesty. Now, now let's think a little bit about the importance of names and titles. 
Because when we look at who God is in three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I think that God was intentional for how he wanted us to call each of them. And how we call them determines how we relate to them. So Jesus tells us that we're supposed to refer to God as our Father. We refer to God through a title. And that title is instructive because we're supposed to have a sense of family with him. Think of all the ways that God could have defined our relationship with him. He, I, I want it to feel like a family. That when you and I make a vow of devotion to Christ, we are born into the family of God. And even if you didn't have a good father or don't have a good father in this life, you can probably imagine what a perfect father would be and God is all of that and more. He always has our best interests at heart. And his power to do what he desires on our behalf has no limits. We know God as Father. Now Jesus, we don't refer to him primarily as a title, although there are titles. We refer to Jesus through a name. And we're given this name because God instructs angels when Mary and Joseph were told that they were going to have this child to name him Jesus. The name Jesus means God's salvation or God saves. Now, I believe this is important, too, because that's how we're supposed to relate to Jesus. We're supposed to relate to him in many ways, but first and foremost, we're supposed to see him as our Savior that reconciles us to the Father that we need. The names are important, which brings us to the Holy Spirit. He's, he's not given a title or a name. We're told by the Bible, through Jesus himself, by how he refers to him, as the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost, that he is named by his attributes, two primarily, being both a spirit and being holy. And I believe this is just as instructive to us as Father and Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit is supposed to be an internal voice inside of us who should be the dominant influencer over our will. An internal voice, spirit, and the dominant influence because he's holy and perfect. The voice of the Holy Spirit inside of us should be the dominant influencer of our will because it's the only perfect voice inside of us because he knows our voice to ourselves is far too often imperfect. When you and I make a vow of devotion to Christ, the Bible says that all of who the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us you should have that expectation. You should think of him in that way. That he's not just with you, but that he is in you. John 14 is powerful, where Jesus talks about the, the Father and the Son and the Spirit living within his children. But is he the dominant influencer over your will? Is he the greatest influencer over your desires? The Holy Ghost is not just supposed to be this Halloween, mystical, supernatural, unknowable spirit. Although there is a mystery to everything about Christianity because the human mind is incapable of comprehending all that divinity is. But the Holy Ghost is a person. And just because he does not have a title like Father and does not have a name like Jesus does not mean that we're not supposed to see him as a person who longs for us to pursue a relationship with him. In, in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for God, just the everyday ordinary name for God is Elohim. Elohim, the person of the Holy Ghost. Elohim. 
Over 2,500 times we find this in the Old Testament. Elohim is a plural word. I am, the last two letters in Elohim in Hebrew, means that whatever that word is, is speaking in the plural. Now this is important because it is the name, the, the generic name that God gives to us to understand himself. Which means that he always refers to himself in the plural. Why? Because he is both Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We talked about that in the Doxa series. We're not going to do a sermon on the Trinity tonight. That was in the beginning of the year. You can get that online or through the YouTube channel. And then everywhere else in the Bible where God gives a name that begins with El, like El Shaddai, El is an abbreviation for Elohim. Which means that every time you come across a name like that, God's just not referring to himself. He's referring to both the Son and the Spirit also. Because Elohim is plural. So when we get to names of God like El Shaddai, which means God Almighty, God is not just saying that the Father is Almighty. He's saying we are Almighty. When we get to El Elyon, which means God Most High, God is not just saying that I'm the Most High. He is saying we are the Most High. Both the Spirit and the Son, too. El Roah, which means God sees. God isn't just saying that I see. He's saying that we see. Even the names of God that he gives to himself, he is revealing the plural nature of who he is, and he is also ascribing divinity to every part of who he is. Now listen to this. Thinking plural is vital when we think about God because it gives us permission to acknowledge the individuality of the Holy Spirit. We need to recognize the individuality of the Holy Spirit because there is a relationship that you and I are supposed to have with Him. I think it's one of the reasons why in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, this list that I'm about ready to give to you, I gave this list to you back in 2018. I'm going to put it in front of you again. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to read the textual references because they're on the screen. If you're, if you're not here and in person or you're listening to this podcast and you can't see these slides, you can download these notes from our website. But the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit, He has a mind. He has a will. He has virtues. He comforts, he speaks, he teaches, he can feel sorrow, he can be insulted, he can be resisted, he can be lied to. What an incredible list. What does that say? It's saying the Holy Spirit is a person that you and I are supposed to have a relationship with. And the Holy Spirit is divine just like the Son is divine and just like the Father is divine. And when you've made a vow of devotion to Jesus, He lives inside of us and is supposed to be the dominant influencer of our will. Think of all of the influences that are competing for your will's attention. There's a whole social media world taking place inside of you. Right? If you've not seen the, the Netflix, it's a documentary called Social Dilemma, it's Social Dilemma, right? You need to watch that. Especially if you have children, you need to watch that. So the world of media is competing for your attention because it wants your money. All of that is taking place inside of you. Your body's desires, your emotions, your intellect, friendships and relationships, your past wounds, your past hurts. I don't even know what the commercial is for, but it's the lady that walks into the room and she's trying to buy a house and there's a boardroom, right? And it's all these versions of herself, but it's like nervous me and frugal me. Have you, she, right? Have you seen that? that? That is true for all of us. 
There's all these different voices and influences that make up who you are. Who is the chairman of the board of your life? It should be the Holy Spirit. When all of our desires and perspectives and opinions are pounding our will, sometimes they're directing it in good ways and sometimes they're not. But it's the Holy Spirit that's supposed to come along and say, let's go this way just like he did for Jesus in the beginning of Luke chapter 4. So let's talk about the Holy Ghost in Jesus. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit. Sometimes we don't like where the Holy Spirit takes us. Are you with me? But he always has our best interest at heart. If you measure whether or not you're going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit based on whether or not you agree with His choice, you and I will miss out on much of this life that God has created for us. Because even in the hard places, even in the places that we don't want to go, I'm telling you there is something there waiting for us that is a gift from the Father above. We see that the Holy Spirit is in Jesus and the Holy Spirit is directing him. Why is this part, right? Sometimes we just blow past some of the most poignant parts of, of, the, of the text because we want to get into the story. And, and it's as if this is just commentary that, that to set it up. No, 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 this is truth in and of itself. This is Jesus exemplifying what Christian life should look like. He's in me, the Holy Spirit, and he directs me. And I follow wherever he takes me. Then we get to... 15 and 17 of John 14. Listen to this. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Listen to what it says. Who leads into all truth, the dominant influence over your will. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with, he, he lives with you, listen to what it says, and later will be in you. Why is that important? Because he can't be in us until after Jesus dies on the cross, until that moment of reconciliation comes. And then what Adam and Eve knew in the garden, which they lost when they sinned, was now restored to mankind. And just as God breathed on Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. We're going to get to it in just a moment. Jesus breathed on the disciples in the upper room. Why did he do that? Because they knew the creation story. And every time a person makes a vow of devotion to Christ, he breathes on us all over again. And the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. Listen to John 16, verses 5 through 8. But now I'm going away to the one who sent me, And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Are you kidding me? Jesus is saying, it is better that I go because of the one who is going to come out. So as much as we esteem Christ, as much as we celebrate Christ, as much as we model our lives after Christ, as much as we bow at his feet, Jesus is saying, oh, do all of that for the Holy Spirit who comes. It is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. 
And if I do go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, this is important, of sin and righteousness and judgment. Why is that? Because the ministry of the Holy Spirit, if we were to keep reading, is to continually to point people to Jesus. That's what these three examples are. It's to convict the world of sin because the Holy Spirit is constantly showing people Jesus dying on the cross because through that picture, we're supposed to understand something about ourselves. We are sinners in need of grace. And when we look at Jesus on the cross, something inside of us, the Holy Spirit helps us see it, is that if you are okay the way that you are, explain this to me. And we can't. Because Jesus dying on that cross should be a picture for all of us that we are in desperate need for the grace that he gives because he died a death that you and I could not die. He convicts the world of sin. He convicts the world of righteousness. Why is that important? Because Jesus could have just stepped into time died on the cross, and gone back to heaven. Same thing would have been accomplished. Same thing would have been accomplished. But he didn't do it that way. He lived a life of 33 years, the last three of that in ministry. Why is that? Because he wanted to give us an example for how we're supposed to live after we've been reconciled to God, after we've been forgiven of our sin. He doesn't just want us to be forgiven of our sin. He wants us to then, for the rest of our days, Pursue a life of righteousness, which is why one of the reasons discipleship is a cornerstone of this church. We want you to go to heaven, yes, but we also want you to become like Jesus along the way. He's going to convict the world of sin. He's going to convict the world of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, once we've made a vow of devotion to Christ, is constantly in our lives bringing us into alignment to the ways of Jesus. And then it says to convict us of judgment. Why is that there? Because we're supposed to understand that there's a test at the end. That one day you and I are going to stand before Jesus and give an account for our lives. It's the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. So let's talk about the power with the time we have left. I find it striking that we are not told that Jesus goes into the desert with the power of the Holy Spirit. Did he have the power? I I think he did. But I think he had a measure of that power. And the reason why power is left off and emphasized at the end, because he knew more of that power when he came out than when he went in. I think the Holy Spirit, who inspired the writers of the Bible, wanted us to understand that there's a difference between his indwelling presence, given at salvation, and operating in his power in ministry. And the two things that we see that Jesus did, that I believe, changed the experience in his humanity that he had in learning how to operate and lean into, because right, he is fully God, but he's also fully man. And so his human side had to grow accustomed to the divinity that was inside of him. He battled temptation, and he fasted and prayed. Now you might say, well, Fred, it doesn't say that he prayed, but But we have the rest of the Bible when we understand that every time that Jesus got away to himself, he spent that time in prayer. And we know that through the rest of Scripture that there's a relationship that exists between fasting and prayer. So I think it's fair to say that when Jesus was there in 40 days, he's praying. We know that it is the inauguration of his ministry. He battled temptation and he fasted and prayed. 
Now, is there another time in Scripture where we see these two things happening and power coming? Oh, I think that there is. I'm glad you asked. Acts 1.8, after Jesus' resurrection, and as he is ascending, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Did they already have this Holy Spirit? Yes, they did. Why? Because in John 20, 21, and 22, it says, and again he said, this is also after his death and resurrection, he appears to the disciples in the upper room, and he says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then it says, listen to the language, then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So at the moment of ascension, those people that were in the upper room who were also at the moment of ascension, guess what they already had? They already have the Holy Spirit. The person of the Holy Spirit because this is the moment of their salvation. But then in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Why? Because there is a difference between the indwelling Holy Spirit in our lives at salvation and learning how to operate in the power of the Spirit in life and ministry. And you know what I think? I think we see the disciples, they also they also, between the time of Jesus' ascension and the time that we see the Holy Spirit coming upon them in Acts chapter 2, and those 10 days that we see, I think there are two things that we find in the story. They battled temptation, and they committed themselves to spiritual disciplines. Now, why would you say they battled temptation? Because we know that the disciples were under the threat of death. The religious leaders were not happy with what was going on. They were being persecuted out of the gate. You, you don't think that your life being at risk if you profess faith in Jesus doesn't create a temptation for people to flee? We know that it does because the Bible tells us that there were more than 500 people. More than 500 people at the ascension. Do you know how many people were in the upper room? 120. 120. That church was shrinking. It was moving in the opposite direction than they thought it should. Don't tell me that they weren't facing temptation. Did they get it right? Were they in the right? Were they doing the right? How about the temptation of doubt? The temptation of death? The temptation of doubt? I think they were battling temptation. But on that day of Pentecost, there were 120 people that stood firm. And during those 10 days, I think it's fair to say that they devoted themselves to prayer and worship and many of the other things that we would consider spiritual disciplines. Why? Because we have the rest of the story. We have the rest of the book of Acts. We have all of the epistles. And we know that this was their practice. It's interesting to me and the story of the inauguration of Jesus' ministry, and in the story of the birthing of the church, they share two central themes. There is the person of the Holy Spirit that's given to us at salvation, but it's only through battling temptation, giving ourselves to the life of spiritual disciplines, do we begin to understand how to operate in the power of that Spirit. So I'm going to challenge you over the next 30 days to join me in two things. Two things. That you are going to resolve to resist temptation 
like you have never resisted temptation before. In over 30 days. For some of you, temptation is hounding you. It is the bully in the schoolyard of your life. And I'm going to challenge you to wake up tomorrow with a new sense of resolve. I don't care how much you fail today. I don't care how much you fail that tomorrow, you're, you're, for 30 days, you're going to adopt a mindset and a mentality that says, not today, N- not today. The website that you're tempted to go to, the expense account that you're tempted to pad, the unholy thoughts, the angry thoughts, the coveting of other people's wealth and things, right? Right? Stealing your children's Halloween candy after they go to bed, blaming it on your spouse or their brothers and sisters. <laughs> That's great. It's God. Oh. Not today. Write that on a post-it note. Stick it on your mirror. Put it in your phone. Take a new screen. So every time you turn your phone on, not today. Resolve. If you're struggling with addiction, not today. Don't think about having to do it for 30 days. Think about having to do it for 24 hours. Not today. Not today. 30 days of saying, I'm going to resist temptation like never before. Loneliness. Relationships that you shouldn't be in. Come on, prophesying over some of you right now. And during those same 30 days, I'm going to ask you to do the second thing. Same thing Jesus did. The same thing that those early apostles did. That for the next 30 days, you're going to give yourself to spiritual disciplines like you never have before. If you don't know what those are, get one of those little green books back there. We call Praxis. We have 12 pathways that we teach. 12 pathways. If all of that's new for you, then I'm going to just say worship, prayer and reading the bible just just do those three if you don't do anything else if you don't know what music to listen to you can go on our our, our youtube all the music that we sing and the christian bands the worship music we do there's all kinds of videos out there have a practice of worship as you're driving to and from work and instead of listening to sports radio which i like to listen to just say for the next 30 days maybe you can even consider that a fast come on the christian f word I'm going to listen to something different. I'm going to fast this and listen to that. Reading the Bible. Just read a chapter a day for the next 30 days. Spend time in conversation with God every day for the next 30 days. These aren't my promises to you. This is the Bible's promise to you. You will go from just knowing the person to experiencing his power. Stand with me. The reason why this matters is because there is a Galilee that's waiting for you. There is a Galilee that is waiting for you. John 4.14, Then Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power and reports about Him spread quickly through the whole region. Come on. You and I have a Galilee that we're called to. You and I have a world that God has put us into. And when I say world, I mean a sphere of influence. Your family, your neighborhood, your workplace, the church that you call home, that's your Galilee. And you know what? Reports about Jesus are supposed to spread in fame in your realm of influence because of you, just like it did 2,000 years ago. You have a Galilee. 
And it's going to take the power of the Holy Spirit operating through us to bring about the kind of influence to report for reports about Him. Come on, to spread quickly through the whole region. Jesus, we want it. The 757 to be a place where it's easy to find you. Where it's easy for people to be found by you. Let it start with us. Holy Spirit, forgive us for taking you for granted. Holy Spirit, for, for, forgive us for relegating you to a distant third place in the Trinity. For, forgive us for the seat that we occupy in our own soul that belongs to you, the head of the table. Forgive us for resisting you, for insulting you, for ignoring you. Even now, I pray, as people hear the sound of my voice, that they would, they would experience a shifting inside of them. They would literally have a spiritual chiropractic experience even now in Jesus' name. Where Holy Spirit, that you would be thrust into the center of who they are. We don't want to just know you as the person that you are. We want to operate in the power that you give to reach our Galilee for the fame of Christ, for the fame of our Savior, so that the world would know what it feels like for that thirst of the soul to be quenched. And Jesus, it's in your name that we pray. Come on, and everybody said together, amen, amen. Hey, we're going to close just in this moment. We're going to stay in an attitude of, of worship. We're going to have some people here down at the front. I, I'm not kidding. If you look back into the story of your life and you can't find a moment in time where you've made a vow of devotion to Christ, you come make it tonight. If you know that you, 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 you need some shifting in your life for the Holy Spirit, maybe you've been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, another sermon for another time, we're here to pray with you. If you're just here for the candy, that's okay too. But if you are, you need to get out of here and get in line. So if you've parked in this parking lot, you've got to exit this property, go around the block, and enter back in Shoe Lane and get back in line. And if you're at the end of the line, then just remember what we talked about tonight. Being an example for Jesus to the rest of the world. Come on. We appreciate you being here. Be safe this weekend, and we'll see you next week.